You've got a lot of sausages and things that just come to their head and... And it chipped it away again! Toby Flood. God's sake! He pulled my scrub cap off and he squirted water in my face and you're not allowed to do that. Shut it off! Shut the video up! What a yoga! <laughs> Hi and welcome to the latest episode of the Waist High Rugby Podcast. The podcast that absolutely no one has asked for but you're going to get anyway. I'm delighted to be joined today with uh, Jack and Tom. Um, apologies, I couldn't make it last week. I was I was pretty busy traveling and doing all sorts of stuff, basically. But yeah, great to be back. I think, guys, we're all in agreement. Adam was fantastic last week, so big thank thank you to him for for joining. Yeah, how is everyone? How have your weekends been? Yeah, my weekend's been absolutely fantastic. I watched uh, rugby yesterday and uh, had fun afterwards. And I coached football today, and I was on the winning team. But given I picked the teams, that isn't that big an achievement, is it really? Are you also going to skip out the fact that it's like under 13s? No, they are like 14. Okay. Yeah, so that makes all proper, yeah. proper players. Yeah. Some of them are quicker, stronger, and faster than me. Uh, Jack? I was at confirmation on Saturday, nephew's confirmation, which as an English person, don't really understand. I heard apparently it's like the bar mitzvah for white Norwegian people. So um, that was good. I managed to sneak off. To watch the to watch the Norway Denmark game, so uh, I think people thought they had an irritable bowels or something because <laughs> I just kept going to the toilet. But every twenty minutes to go watch the Denmark game, so um, that was good. But then yeah, and then today watched the watched the Sale Leicester game, and then and then we did and then we're podding now. So all good, yeah, all good, all good. My end, nice. Yeah, I think it's uh, for myself. It's been a pretty good weekend actually. United won on the football, which is good. Uh, Munster beat Wednesday yesterday in the semi-final of the URC last minute drop goal which I'm delighted about um, I'm actually half Irish and my family's from Munster so they're kind of my, my second team I guess oh that's uh, where the gingerness comes from that is where the gingerness comes from and all the freckles oh, uh, yeah yeah. and then today my mighty Sale Sharks beat Jack's not so mighty Leicester so I'm absolutely delighted and then also sitting in the sun and having a couple of beers they're all good can we just clarify it actually was just two beers as well it wasn't a couple of beers. We're in inverted commas. It was, it was two beers. It was, yeah. Yeah, we behaved. I loved it though. Yesterday, Tom Tom was adamant that he wasn't going to come out with us. He was like, I'm not going out. I'm not going out. I want, don't want to be hungover. And then we were the last ones to leave the pub at like 3.30 this morning. Well, we, yeah. need, we need to argue, actually. Because we, we didn't have the, uh, the third party, the neutral party last week to see who's right and who's wrong in what happened last weekend. In the going out situation, the going out situation. Right. Okay. This is so. This is actually new to me. What, what's going on? Right. Here? Okay. So last weekend, we w- we win the sevens, Blinder, and people are going out. I was there studying at home. But <laughs> also, big congrats to Tom for handing in his thesis. Yeah. Bit of a weight off your shoulders, I think. Yeah, I think it'll be a weight off my shoulders when I get the result and it's an E or above. But until that point, it's. It's questionable, isn't it? Right. So, I'm have a reputation for maybe not being the guy who goes out all the time. Do you know when you get back get, get an ice cream in England and the 99p? What are they called again? The, well, it's called the 99, isn't it? Yeah, but they, <laughs> like, the plague with the yeah, plague. Yeah, yeah, the that's, yeah, that's the word after kick. Jack and the plague. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm not flaky if I if I never agree to actually doing it. It's flaky when you say yeah I'll do it and then you back out at the, at the end. It's flaky when you say, I'm at a bar, are you coming? And I say, yeah, we're leaving soon. And then 
you to just decide that you're going to go home anyway. Right, no, no, no. Okay, so this is what happened. Are you literally going to quote me on what I've said? He, yeah, he's, got, he's actually got the text. I've got the, I've got the phone out. I said, I was at a, somewhere else. And then uh, when that was finished, I said, is anyone still out celebrating the win? And then I messaged you, so you out. And then you said, I'm going home now. Did I say that? Yeah, you said, going home now. And I said, oh, this is where I am. I think this is where people are going. And you said, no, I'm not going. Mate, you're misquoting me. I didn't write that. Yeah, you did. Right, and then the main thing was... Which one am I? Am I the one on the left? Yeah. Going home now. Why did I write that? I definitely didn't write that. Right, okay. See, this is... Uh, no, I, deny, I deny typing that. As soon as the facts come out. Yeah, literally. Yeah, and then I said... It's I'm going with phones, isn't it? Like, the facts come out. <laughs> and I said, I'm going there. And you said, me and Lager are about to be kicked outside in a bar. And then I said... It's Lager's fault. And then I said, you don't fancy a quick one at this place... And then you've gone, me and Lager are going. Yeah, like, we're going there. No, yeah. No. Me and Lager are going. No, here's, here's how simple it is. Don't fancy a quick one. Yeah. Which means what? Bring direct. Me and Lager are going there, home. And then you No, you didn't home. say there. You said, me and Lager are going. Yeah, but the implication is there, isn't it? No, that means you're going home. No, it doesn't. If you say, we're going. Jack, just because every time you say home. going means home to you, doesn't mean the same for everyone else. And then I messaged you, are you at Rebel? We are there now. And you put, mate, are you joking? I've just walked home because no one was there. Yeah. And then you sent me a thousand abusive messages <laughs> saying, who do you think you are? You're a wanker. You're, I hate you. Wow. <laughs> that is incredible. Those are the kind of friends you make. Yeah, rugby yeah that is. That, I think that's just Tom all over there, isn't it? Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just somebody yeah. that I was coaching at Sevens with. Anyway, we digress. Um, so this weekend was a pretty, pretty tough game for for Norway. I think is one way to describe it potentially. So, so they played Denmark down in Stavanger. Um, I think you know Norway went into the game with, you know, feeling pretty good. I know they had a tough game against Andorra, but yeah, unfortunately the the score didn't go their way. I think it was twenty three ten the final score. What were your thoughts on the game, chaps? Or Jack for the for the limited bits of it you were able to see on your many toilet breaks for the bits when I was watching it on the toilet. Yeah, I just think Denmark just looked pretty organised, didn't they? They were just uh, they're pretty organised. They're pretty good in defence. They took their chances. Yeah, I just think Denmark were just just seemed like Denmark were just a step above a step above in terms of quality and tactically and being together as a team. They look more like a team, I think, because they're all from. A lot of them are from Fredericksburg, and then I don't know. It's like our or something. Yeah, is it the club that a lot of them are from? Yeah. So um, no, they look. They look. The, the Danes. They look. They look a decent team. Yeah. They look a. They look a property. I mean, they they did have a few players who kind of play. I think their fullback or one of their wingers played France D two for a while and and things like that. But yeah, they they were they were pretty good. Um, yeah, Tom. I mean, for you, kind of looking back from the game against Andorra to now, did you see? like a pretty big difference in terms of how Norway played and what was your take on it? Yeah, I kind of disagree with Jack. Like that's kind of, I'm going to disagree with him now because he's outed me from a messaging. <laughs> but no, I thought uh, Norway looked really, really good. I didn't see that as a 23 time game. I thought we got, because we had, we actually scored two tries. That one was like chalked off for a forward pass, which I think might have been forward. I thought Nathan Cummins' try was a good try. I, I didn't 
didn't even register that he could have been in touch for me. I thought he was straight in, great finish. I actually thought the reason they disallowed it was because he'd grounded the ball in touch. So behind the line, that's he grounded it there. But as you said, like there would be a different restart if that was the case. So it must have been his foot was in touch, which I definitely didn't see at the time. Yeah, I guess it. So just to provide some context. So I think it was kind of midway through the first half or something. Um, yeah, Nathan Cummins, who was playing at nine, uh, Stavanger player, he 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 basically just made a break and kind of managed to carve through a lot of their defense. And then we all thought it was a try because I mean he it was the camera was right in front of us, so we, we had a pretty good view of it. But yeah, the the assistant ref deemed it to be out into touch, which I mean I don't want to slate referees so much, but it, it was a pretty dubious decision, I think, to say the least. Um, maybe the less we say it, the better. But yeah, it was they were they were pretty unlucky in that respect. I managed to I managed to actually see that, and uh, that was classed by I think it was Nathan, and then my uh, I'll talk about him again. My man crush Pascal, who uh, who went who broke through and then popped it off the floor to Nathan Cummins, and then he just yeah he he made a great break down the down the left hand side in from where I was sitting. It ended up like a try. Yeah, I, I think. Um, Pascal, you know, he came on and it's never nice to come on, especially when you're replacing an injured player. So obviously I hope, I think it was Finn that got injured. I hope he's okay. But Pascal came on and he was incredible. He's just a really, really good rugby player. Uh, he's just really good at rugby. And uh, yeah, I thought he played really well. I, I After listening to Adam Jones rave about Nick Saby, I thought I'll watch a little bit of Nick Saby. Mm. And he was brilliant. That cover tackle he made, it must have been from like a scrum and he like just covered oh, the whole pit. He got all the way back to the far side, didn't he? Then got really low and just smashed the guy. Yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah. Like, they looked really good. And the hooker, is it Stian? Stian. Yeah, he was great as well. I thought yeah. he had a great game yeah. when he was on the pitch. I thought he was brilliant. So I thought, I thought Norway played really well. And I know we've said it before and it's really frustrating because I can only imagine, like, I'm frustrated. I can only imagine how, like, frustrated Richie is watching that when... They were dominant for a lot of the game and the forwards are always making metres. Yeah. Very, very rarely did I see a, a Norwegian carry like get hit back. They were making metres all the time. Adam Jones was making metres. He had one where he made about like 10, 50. Yeah, yeah. It was brilliant carry. And I think the thing about Adam Jones as well is because he stays on his feet, other players can join and latch onto him. And that gives him like an extra five to six to seven metres in a carry. So yeah, I thought Norway played really, really well. I just... I genuinely don't know how they lost the game, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, what? So from obviously, I didn't, I didn't, <clears throat> I only saw bits of it, so I didn't see the whole thing from start to finish. Um, Boy, so I was a few less beers down than you two were in the uh, in watching the game. No, we were. We yeah. that, that's just when we started drinking. Oh, so right. we were, we were pretty, pretty on it. I mean, well, most of us were pretty on it. Yeah, but I saw. I don't know. I just saw a defensive set. I saw an attacking set from Norway. Um, I think it was, in, it might have been the second half, and it was sort of two or three minutes of, of attacking, and Denmark just looked really comfortable in defence. And then I think they just were sort of on the ten meter line, and then they attacked, 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 and then the Danes, I think, just defended, defended. They didn't put anyone in the breakdown, and then they just, and then they just managed to turn it over at the end, and it just looked relatively comfortable for them I think I don't know yeah I don't know what problem was and what the difference was to be honest from what I saw but it just 
the Danes just looked relative, a bit more comfortable. I don't know. I didn't see any of the Danish tries either, so I don't know what happened with that. I don't think the Danes looked comfortable. I think I think I think they were quite rattled, especially in the first half. They were they were pretty rattled for a lot of it. They got very lucky in the fact that that try got chalked off, because at the time that would have equaled up the game. Yeah. It would have been yeah. like eight ten to Denmark or something like that with the conversion to come. And the other one, I think the most exciting thing about the Norwegian team this time round was they were making line breaks. They were getting through the defence. Well, that's because it wasn't yeah. shifting it down with fist size drops of rain. Yeah. But at the same time, like that even though the weather was bad, you can still run past someone in bad weather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, mm-hmm. fair. So the fact that they were like running through Denmark and like siding through them at times and their carries were some some of the carries were really dominant. Stiem seemed to make meters every time you got the board. It seems to just be able to like knock a couple of players off him and then made those four or five meters, which is quite hard to do. And then you've got Adam in the equation as well. And then you've got Nick Sabi like just being brilliant throughout the whole game. They were good. They were good. I, if I had played in that match, I would come off the pitch feeling really, really confused as to how it, we lost. Be one of those where like Andorra, I can sort of understand it. If I'd played in the Andorra game we'd, and we'd lost that, I'd be like, yeah, I can see the reasons as to how we've lost it. But this one, I would be fuming. Right. I'd be so frustrated for losing it. Especially with that big of a difference in the score. If I'd have lost it like 17-15 because of a couple of mistakes, then maybe, yeah. But not 23-10, it wasn't it? But in Norway score, because when I finished watching it, it was 23-3. Yeah, they scored in, it was literally the last play of the game. Right, okay. yeah. On the clock, it said like 95 minutes or something. Yeah, so I think what happens in, in Rugby Europe on, on their TV channel or their website is um, their clocks that they use, they don't, whenever there's an actual stop and play, they don't stop the clock that you see on the screen. Right. So then obviously it's make it up. So that's why it felt like a football match because I think it finished in, yeah, like 90, 93 minutes or something. But right, okay. on the referee's watch, it was 80. Right, okay. Yeah. Okay. And there was there was a bit at the end as well with, there was like a Denmark broke from, I don't know, I think it might have been the 22 or something and nearly scored under the posts and there was a brilliant try saver by someone. I think that was Benji. Yes, it was Benji. I think that was Benji. It was a brilliant tackle. Yeah, there's like two people running back from the Norway team and they just never gave up. Yeah. Because it was was after 80 minutes. So I was thinking, wow, this is incredible effort for people for this being the last play of the game. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it was was an amazing defensive set. Amazing try to tackle for that. For me, I think in in, as a whole, Norway's defence was really good the whole day. I think, you know, and obviously they did concede a few tries, but I think overall the defense was very solid. What happened with the who scored the tries and what were the what were the tries? One of them was a backs move, so so it was a strike move. The twelve and the thirteen like crashed on like dummy lines, I think, and the ball went out behind to a winger and he just ran through. But that was from like eight or ten meters out, so it was just a good strike move from Denmark. And the other try, I can't really remember to be honest. And they scored a few penalties as well, didn't they? Yeah. The thing that's irritating is, like, in the actual game, Norway were good. Like, they were creating chances. It's very hard when, you know, a chance is so hard to come by and then you fluff it on a forward pass or you you get a foot in touch. Like, that's 14 points. That, That would have put them in the lead. 
and having like both those chances gone, it's it's hard to recreate those chances. I think Norway, I just think I just think they'll be frustrated. I think they are really they'll be really, really frustrated, especially if they ever watch that game back, they'll look at it and think that how how have we lost this? We were dominant and we played really well. And we were we were doing everything like classical rugby you should do. Your forwards were making meters, your backs were making line breaks. Like there's not much more you can do and your defence was solid. Fair enough. I mean, I, th- I reckon we could maybe chat to Richie at some point and just get his thoughts on the last couple of weeks um, and and see see what he thinks and where where he needs more way he needs to improve and what what's been good and yeah. what hasn't been so good and what his his plans are for the next for the next round of games. Yeah, I think it's about five or six months now they've got as a break, and then I believe they're playing Finland or someone towards the end of the year. Not the only bit of rugby that has been played in Norway this weekend. So, um, Sadness in the Rugby League, we're playing, it was a combined team of, um, let me get this right, it was a combined team of like Vic, um, I think Songdal were there, essentially a couple of Bergen people were there. Um, yeah, so I think it was kind of the first ever team, the first ever game for this team was like a combined team of these different clubs. Um which are m- most of the clubs are kind of organised and run by you know, Mike Pride and others over on that side of the country. Um, yeah, I think I've, I've reached out to Mike for kind of a bit of a match report, which we'll try and get on our Instagram at some point. Um, but the final score was to, to Sanders. Uh, I thought it was 44, but you said it was 50. So it was, well, Jack said it was 50, sorry. Uh, so I think it was 50 points to, to 26 to sadness so yeah big well done to them uh hopefully we'll we'll hear some interesting or funny stories i hope we do anyway in the next few days which we could uh which we could share on our on our instagram pages yeah but i mean amazing work by by mike to to be up there and and get three sort of mini clubs going to then combine into a team that's that's added into the league i mean that's that's really, really well done by him, and and we're going to get him on soon, hopefully to chat about, uh, you know, how it is up there and and, and the kind of the challenges of of trying to build rugby up in the up in the west on the west coast. Um, but no, really, really good work from him. Yeah. Really impressive that he's managed to do that and and start that up there, and hopefully that's the start of a couple more teams in the league for for league and union. Hopefully, hopefully. Yeah, so it was actually Vic, Eldar, and Sondal. They were all kind of combined against uh, Sandler's Raiders. Yeah. So yeah, well done, Mike. Cool. I guess maybe some club rugby from the weekend. So URC, there were two semi-finals. Um, it was Stormers and I can't actually remember Connet. Connet, that's the one. Uh, and then it was uh, Munster Leinster. And then yesterday we had Saracens and Northampton in in the English Premiership in the semi-final. And then today. Leicester and Sale. Tom, we were able to watch the Leinster Munster and the Saracens Northampton game. Any feedback, comments, highlights? The highlight was Leinster losing. That's the highlight, really, isn't it? I just feel a bit weird about Leinster seeming to put out teams that aren't their strongest team all the time. So I don't like that. So then when they lose, I quite like it because I feel like you deserve it. Do you think it's a bit of arrogance or do you think they're just really trying to save their best players for the Champions Cup final next week? 
Maybe, but you've got to win a game. Like, it's a yeah. semi-final. I don't understand why you'd save players for a, a final when you've got a semi-final on a tournament you want to win. Like, you can't have an attitude of, we're going to rest players in a semi-final. Like, for me, that's wrong. But they semi-final. It's not like the rest of their season's really hard. Like, they can rest players all year. Well, they've got two more games. They've got Champions Cup final, and if they'd have won yesterday, then the ORC final. So... But I, I guess obviously their their team probably makes up the the vast majority of the Irish team, so maybe it's uh, because obviously yeah, but they're essentially contracts, aren't they? So may, is it like the guys in who are running Ireland Irish rugby are saying like we need to rest these players like Sexton and Byrne and others ready for the World Cup or what? even that's not that many more. Like, I mean, how many games are Ireland playing? It's not like they're playing twenty five really tough games in the league. Most of these players don't play against. They don't go that. They, none of them go to South Africa. They send their kids to South Africa, so that's one of the massive things done. They don't go play Zebra and all those, you know, all those the crappy teams at the bottom. So like they they play in the Champions Cup, and they play the derbies in Ireland, and then don't play and they play five Six Nation games, and a couple of Autumn Internationals. And they don't play, the, and then you're still resting them for the semi-final of the of the Champions Cup against Munster. URC, yeah, sorry, URC against Munster. Like, what what are you doing? I think there should be a blanket ban on resting players. <laughs> I just don't think it should be acceptable. We should like just kill it off now. I think Sexton would have been retired about ten years ago if that was the case. Yeah, but I mean, but he, the players they played in in this game, Tommy O'Brien. Gives that they had Jimmy O'Brien on one wing, who was a regular starter for them, and they had, but not um, not on the wing. They had Ronan Kelleher as a hooker, who was a regular starter, um, and they had uh, was it Doris was starting, or well, Conan Jack Conan was starting at eight. Yeah. So those are the three kind of semi-regular to regular starters that they had in that team yesterday, which is a bit mad. They had Harry Byrne, Ross Burns, and your brother at ten, even though. They'd be kind of going with that Pandagas kid for the past few games. So yeah, I kind of I kind of agree. Um, they personally, I think they deserve to lose for for this kind of approach that they're taking. Um, whereas Munster, you know, Munster haven't really beaten Leinster in in a while now, and the past few scores have been quite heavy. So you know, for, I'm I'm so happy that that drop goal, 77th minute, Jack Jack Rowley number twelve, unreal. Yeah, I just think like in general, it's wrong to not play your best team often, and it's not just a Leinster problem. Saracens do it in the Premiership, other teams do it around the world, and the argument is it's their right. They've got this squad; they can play wherever they want. But at the same time, as a fan, you should expect to see your best players play if you buy a ticket to that game. Like, they don't understand. I think rugby shooting itself in the foot here because. I should hear Leinster playing Munster and think that's going to be a massive match no matter what. Not Leinster playing Munster, they're going to play second string teams. It's rubbish. What's the point? No one wants to see that. No one wants to watch that. Like, imagine in the Prem, Liverpool and Man U, like, playing weakened teams in a game against each other. Oh, yeah, fair enough, play a weakened team against the bottom of the league, but not against each other. I remember watching Exeter Saracens thinking, well, those are the two top teams in the league. That's going to be an absolutely banger of a game. And I didn't recognise more than 90% of the players because they both sent second-string teams down. It's like, well, I don't want to watch that. 
they do that a lot when they with the international games where all the best players are out or they're being rested and then they play these massive games in the international window and you just think why like what's the point of that why would you play Saracens Harlequins when half of the people who actually would make people come and turn up and watch it aren't in the game like it just makes no sense it makes absolutely no sense it destroys the integrity of the competition as well it completely destroys it because what's the point of having a league if sometimes you essentially have two teams that's one team? That's just bizarre. Yeah, I think what's funny about Leinster though is they do this and they put a, a worse team out or a second team or even a third team and they still normally win. They do normally win and this game was still really close. It wasn't like Munster ran away. But it was a one-point game, which was minute drop it, with the last three, two, three-minute drop goal. Yeah. yeah. So don't matter. You lost. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. At the end of the day, they've done it again where they've lost. Last year, they lost in the semis yeah. to Bulls. I think at home again. I think it was, yeah. This year, they've lost in the semis at home to Munster. You know, they, they might end the season again with no trophy. But do you think they're prior... They're, well... It's pretty clear that they're prioritising the Champions Cup. Why do you think that is? I don't think that's... The, I don't... I think, I like, think, personally, well, it's like, how do you expect me to give a crap about this competition if you yourself don't? Like... Why... But why... Why the... The top 14, they're not... La Rochelle and Toulouse on putting their second string out in the top 14 semi-final. The Premiership clubs, when the Premiership clubs are winning the Champions Cup, Exeter, Saracens... Those kind of teams, they weren't putting their second string team out in the Premiership. It's not, you can't just focus on one competition. These guys have got a huge budget. They've got a massive playing squad. They're all brilliant players. They all play, what, loads of them play international rugby. They have a shitload of games that don't matter during the season. Mm-hmm. Zebra away, Newport away, some of the South African teams. Like they don't, no one gives a shit about those games. Right. Why can't they put out it's not, you know, they're not in a unique position of having to try and win two competitions. Okay, but then is it long-term thinking, is it smart by Leinster by, in these smaller games, smaller in inverted commas, because they're still good teams like Zebra and others, but is it smart in the sense that they're giving these players an opportunity to kind of get experience and play against good sides? And then, you know, when people like Sexton and... Henshaw and others are, are out of the picture and retired, then these guys can just step up and they've already got, you know, maybe 10, 20 caps for Leinster under their belt. Yeah, but is that... And because as you said... That, because that's, as I'm saying, that's at the kind of... Because I mean, my point being is, you, you actually said it yourself, right? They're still winning these games. Yeah, so until they get to the... It, yeah, yeah, but that is true, that is true. Until they're getting to like the... So the would, you, would you sacrifice a Heineken Cup, a couple of... URC winners trophies to make your kids a bit better in five years. I don't know if I would. Well, kids aren't winning enough. Don't play them. You got to win. This this club is not. It's not okay for this club to not win every year. Like in football, there's teams. If you don't, if you're Leinster, are like a Real Madrid. Real Madrid don't win everything every year. It's failure. Leinster, Leinster should be doing that. Like, Real Madrid wouldn't put their second team out in the Copa del Rey final 
Well, just he's looking at the main it. team, Al. Just looking at the lineup, had Josh Van der Fleer on the bench. Yeah. Oh, yeah. why? Why? Just in case. Just in like, just, just like, in case. Yeah. Just irritates me. But what irritates me the most about it is because I think you might have a point with it's good for the youngsters to develop. So it might be in the best interest interests of Leinster to do what Leinster do with like weakened teams. I can yeah. see that fully. However, it's destroying rugby. Oh, I I totally agree with it's, you. And but it's I, not just I, a Leinster problem. Yeah. It's across the Premiership. It's across all all these times we put out weakened teams. We're destroying rugby because no one cares about watching two teams play second string teams or have an excuse for losing. Oh, they lost, but they didn't start their best players. It's like, you know when you're a kid and you're playing table tennis or something and you start playing and you're better than the other person and then you start losing. You go, oh, we're not going to start trying now. Now I'll start trying. It's kind of that effect. It's like it just ruins integrity. I, 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 I do agree with you. And I think one thing they do quite well in England is they've got the Premiership Rugby Cup, right? Which is like, I don't know how you would relate it. It's, it's maybe like the FA Cup or like the League Cup, right? Yeah. And that is that is historically a pathway for these development players, yeah? So that approach is great because these are players who, who get regular game time. They throw in a few experienced players every now and then. And these players eventually will come up home to the first team, but they've already played against a lot of good teams, right? So I think that's a really good approach, but I think in the URC, they don't have anything like that, as far as I'm aware. So, so you know, Leinster, Munster, Connacht, you know, all these South African teams, their development sides, they don't really have a lot of competitions or games, so they kind of have to... Some of them, That's why some of the clubs take this approach, I think. You know, But I do, I totally agree with your point, though. It is kind of ruining the integrity of the sport, and you should always field your best players. It's making us what a joke. Yeah, that's what it's doing. It's making it a joke. It's embarrassing. It's stupid. It's just uncompetitive. It should be. It should be illegal. It's collusion. It's anti. Like it's anti-competitive. You're like creating a rubbish system where we don't know if we buy a season ticket how many times we're actually going to see the good players. You know, it's Leinster Munster. Why the hell is that stadium not fully open for that? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Why the hell is it not fully open? They'll have reasons like, oh, well, we sold tickets last week, so we can sell them. Sell them again. Sell them again. Like, you yeah, should be they, that good a product, and you should be playing all your best players that people can't get enough of it, so they'll, you can sell out the stadium multiple times in a week. If I hadn't played twice in... If I hadn't played two times in two weeks at the Aviva, they wouldn't, they wouldn't go, oh, no, we, we sold out the Aviva last week, we're not going to sell it out again. It's just pathetic. It's such an embarrassing way of looking at things. It's pathetic. Um... I think we could spend a lot of time on this topic and we should potentially move on, but I think overall we're all pretty happy. Well, at least Tom and I are happy that Leinster lost. Um, so, yeah. I'm not happy that Leinster lost. It just want teams to play their best teams. I want yeah. to know who's okay. the better team because now I'm still in doubt. I actually think, well, if Leinster played him and that and him and that, maybe they're better than Munster. So if Munster go on to win it, I'm not convinced Munster are the best team in the URC. I'm not convinced. Of- I don't think Munster are going to win it. Yeah, but whoever wins, well, they got those storms, storms at home as well. Yeah. So. And I, I know, I, I know, I had a pop of the South Africans in playing in when five hundred people turned up in a sixty thousand seat station. Yeah. But that game looked absolutely bouncing. That was mad. I was no, I didn't packed. see anything about that game. That was a packed stadium. Stormers Connacht forty three twenty five. Yeah, the I watched highlights of this game. It was pretty close for a while. Connor played really well. 
Um, but there were some outrageous tries. The Stormers' bats are unbelievable, and the atmosphere looked incredible. Yeah, I'm just looking at their back line now. Like Yankees line, Libok 10, Dupassi 12, Nell 13, Davis 14, Williams 15. Yeah, they've got a very strong team there. The 10 looks awesome. Marnie Libok is very good. Yeah, he looked awesome, and the the quality of that rugby was, was really good. But, um, yeah, I have, to give it, I have to give it to the South African team. When a game, in a game that matters... They packed out that stadium and it was bouncing. But think about it, right? If you're in South Africa and Leicester come to play you and they bring their third team, how hard is it going to be to sell tickets? Yeah, you're not playing against Leinster. You're playing against a representation of Leinster and Leinster have literally said, we don't care about this game. We don't care. How are you meant to sell a ticket for that? He's not. Exactly. They're destroying it. Team but the two fair, are destroying and obviously the game. A lot of a lot of the times in those situations, you'll you'll buy the ticket at the gate. But obviously, a lot of like majority of people would probably buy tickets in advance before the team sheets are announced, right? Yeah, but the the, the thing is, I would hold off and buy a ticket because I'm not sure what Leinster's going to come. Yeah, yeah, and then I'd wait. Oh, if they bring the first team, maybe I'll just try and get in on the day. But I don't want to spend my money right now to maybe see Leinster's under 13s turn up. Yeah. Like it's 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 ruining, and it's the same in the Premiership with Saracens when they do it. They've completely destroyed the whole system by playing a good team against was it Northampton? No, against Irish and a shit team against yeah. Just just ruined it. Yeah. Like we don't know who the top four teams are now. You've ruined it. Yeah. Like the integrity is gone. It's a joke. It's embarrassing. Before before we do go to Saracens and Northampton, um, so Mike actually literally just messaged me. With a little report from the rugby league game, I'm just trying to divert this conversation, right? Because that I'm getting angry like, now. I'm getting angry and angry and angry. The more I think about it, it's the same like when we I played Japan. When we played Japan, England played Japan, and we put out like a naff team, and they nearly beat us. Yeah, but it's yeah. disrespecting Japan, and it's also like people have paid a lot of money to go to Twickenham to watch England play, and you're playing naff players. Anyways, then before I start calling you the beetroot because of how red you're getting, uh, well, that's sunburn. Charlie, yours, mate. Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. No, don't, don't. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, for Mike, uh, the report from, from Friday was, um, this is in, in his own words, so I'm going to literally read it as he said it to me. Uh, he said, yeah, yesterday was class. Six lads playing their first game of league. Um, six lads who are playing game number two of league. So a lot of new boys there. Uh, they shots us a bit in the first half and we went down 22 points unanswered and then two quick tries brought us back. The boys got better as the game went on. Uh, some were shining, had a great crowd, and loads of people came up to me after it and said how nice it was to see something new. Both teams jumped in the fjord together after. I hope none of them split up with their girlfriends after as a result, based on Adam's story last week. Yeah. Um, and he said, what was quite funny is the ref was also having his first ever game of rugby as well. So the ref had never refereed a game of rugby. Wow. Um, so wow. he wasn't 100% sure on some of the rules, but the Sanders captain, Christian, was great. So shout out to Christian. Um, if the ref made a mistake or something, we just they pulled the two captains inside and um, they just discussed what they saw and helped them interpret the laws and all that kind of stuff. So it seems like there is probably, you know, a lot of helping one another. But yeah, uh, it seems, and he said, yeah, very good spirit of rugby day, which I know Tom loves. Tom is all about the spirit of rugby. Well, we talked about the spirit of rugby league before, so... Spirit of rugby union. Fake hardness and alcoholism. <laughs> That's the spirit of rugby union. Yep. So anyway, um, that was a quick... <laughs> That's not the RFU official no. line. 
Oh no, I think they have values. Yeah. They got sorry, yeah, yeah. sorry, not the spirit. The values of rugby are fake hardness and alcoholism. <laughs> Spirit's a different thing, isn't it? For a sober. Yesterday, right. thanks for correcting me on that, Jack. So values. On the, that. the last, the last big game yesterday was the Saracens Southampton, thirty-eight uh, fifteen Saracens. Um, we watched that, and you know Ben, who unfortunately again can't be here today, he was. His, he was very confident in his mighty Northampton and their ability to turn over Saracens. And no, he wasn't. He, he, said, he said if there's a team that will do it, it was this team, right? But they they weren't close. Realistically, they didn't get close to the Saracens yesterday. Might have been different if uh, Maitland got red carded at the start. What did you think about that? I thought it was a red. I don't understand how jumping into the air, smashing someone in your face with both forearms isn't considered direct force to the head. But other things are mm-hmm. like Freddie Stewart's red card where it's like his arms tucked and it's sort of nothing and he gets red carded against Ireland for that which is a total like I just don't understand the rules of laws sorry of rugby I don't understand why referees have some sort of on and off eyesight going on with what they see like sometimes they see things sometimes they don't sometimes it's play on sometimes it's not but Maitland was nowhere to born because in the air, it was jumping and he smashed the guy in the face. I don't understand how it's not really a record, I don't. On an unrelated note, actually, well, a related note, but not the same game. The, uh, the thing you were talking about the other day, with the when you get a yellow card and then they upgrade it to red when the guy goes off, that happened in Super Rugby. Yeah, I was watching that game. Yeah, that was, that was shocking. It was awful. Yeah. Like, I said that was going to be awful. Yeah, it was I terrible. have said that's going to be awful because you're ruining the game again by getting rid of a drama point. Yeah, no, it was terrible. They got, the guy smashed the guy in the head. Yeah, and then I was waiting for a red. I was like, this is a red. I was so excited. Waiting for the red. Guy yellow cards in. And then it's, it's five minutes later, they go, oh yeah, by the way, he's not coming back on because it's a red. How it's, it's, called, it's, called it's, a yellow, it's called a yellow card review. And the really shit thing about it was like the referee then had to somehow communicate that to all the players on the pitch whilst it was open play. Shocking. Absolutely. And like, it Absolutely. doesn't work. It just doesn't work. I've got work. a way of solving it. The right. best. Why isn't it the other way around? Do the other way around. Send him off. Red card. Drama. What's more drama than that? It's been overturned on the really? sideline. That would be incredible. He's coming back on. Yeah. That oh. would be incredible. Just flip it round. Well, it's so much better the other way around. So, Jack, you keep it right. But what you do is, if it gets upgraded to a red, he has to come back onto the pitch in handcuffs. <laughs> <laughs> With two like massive bouncers, he has to go up to the referee, apologise to the player again, and the referee does have a really dramatic red card <laughs> to everyone. Shame, yeah, shame. Yeah, yeah. So imagine, was... imagine in the Ireland game, right? Freddie Stewart does the thing. Yafo Piper runs over, gives him a red card. Everyone's like, "Oh, you ruined the game!" But look, Freddie Stewart goes off. Five minutes later, they go, "Yako, he's coming back on." Freddie Stewart. He's thought he's, he's nicer. He thought he's ruined everything for his country and he gets to go back on and win the game for England. It'd be amazing. It'd be awful. Freddie Stewart should stay off. <laughs> no. I, I, but flip it round. It's not... Oh, yeah. Speaking yeah, of cabs, yeah. Yanko, you've bossed that one up, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going back on. You're a moron. Yeah. Don't you? It's just the yellow. Do it. Do Speaking it. of absolute criminal acts, though, do you remember that point in the Saracens game yesterday, Tom, where I think Northampton, they gave away a stupid penalty because they're prop tried to go for the ball or something and he got it right and then 
what did he do when the referee blew for the penalty? He literally just gave it to Saracens number nine, who then tapped and just ran straight through and scored. It was daylight robbery. Yeah, that wasn't that smart. But what do you expect from a prop? Use their brain and their hands at the same time? <laughs> North, yeah, Northampton, they don't have enough shit houses in, in that Northampton team, do they? They don't have any shit houses. Their back three is pretty shit housey of Augustus Ludman Laws, but that's, that's mostly it, really. Yeah, the front, yeah. Yeah. But no, I mean, yeah, Saracens are just, uh, they're just looking too good. Without Billy Vinopola and Theo McFarland, and the sort yeah. of fifty percent Elliot Daly, they look they're still brilliant, aren't they? Yeah, really. I I can't see Sale beating them in the final. Oh, I can. Yeah, you can. <laughs> <laughs> Over the optimist, um, Ed's got ambition. He's not someone who dreams of cutting vegetables in America. <laughs> so, just before just before we started recording, we we were sat in in the the garden in a pub just down the road in there. I don't know how we got into this conversation, but Jack was like, yeah, I, I was working at a summer camp in America and I just wanted to get away and chop vegetables. Yeah, what's wrong with that? I was 18. I had... The world was your oyster, Jack. The my 18. Oy- yeah, the world's my oyster in between my first and second year of uni. I wanted to go away. So, uh... I wanted... <laughs> Thought, what better way to go see the world than to uh, chop, up, chop up carrots for three months? <laughs> it was so funny. Yeah, but it's the way because I asked you like, why did you want to go to America? And you were like, oh, I wanted to chop vegetables. Well, no, <laughs> that's what you said. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that was the that was the goal. You know, it's, it's quite funny, isn't it? Like, but so... they they bloody let me in the place I was in. Because I was like one of the only English people there, they made me be a waiter. So they made me be front of house and then they made all the Hungarians be back of house chopping vegetables. So I was a bit jealous of that. I wanted to be at the back chopping vegetables for them. But uh, they didn't let me. <laughs> Honestly, it is brutal when your dreams are taken away from you. It's awful. It's horrible for you. It's absolutely awful. You know, here we are. Like, so, you know, after you, after school and everything, Tom went to Senegal for a while and he, he, he taught and did various things. I was off in India and Central Asia. What did Jack do? Sharpening a knife. Ending vegetables. Yeah, mate. <laughs> but I, mate, I, I can dice a carrot like an absolutely glitched <laughs> We're actually going to develop the new game uh, Vegetable Ninja, just to rival Fruit Ninja, and, and just, I think there'll be one user only, one player. I'm in. Yeah, I'm absolutely in. I've actually had, I've had my three best jobs of all time were chopping vegetables, shoveling snow, and uh, being a dishwasher. <laughs> loved it. Loved every second. Ranked them. What's their number one? Shoveling snow, number one. Dishwasher, just because you could use the, the power or the power. Yeah. And home and, thing. Yeah. So, so two of them, I was actually a waiter, was the main job. And then as soon as someone said, oh, does anyone want to do dishwashing for the evening? I'll be like, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. And you don't have to talk to anyone. Just sit there. You blast all the food off the the plates, put it in that cool thing that you pull down, and they go, and then you take it off, and it's like all steam there and off it. Did it to the other side? It's brilliant. Did, I, did you hold it like Rambo? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's just ended plate. It's just like, yeah. I've just got a new theory right after hearing this. So like Jack has moved down to Christiansand in a, in a couple of weeks. I think he's actually going to go work at a restaurant. He just doesn't want to get a job in Oslo in case someone goes into that restaurant. 
is going to be an architect. Architect is it? That's complete bullshit. You're going to go and I saw wash dishes. <laughs> yeah. That's complete bullshit. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, well, Tom, what's your what's your best ever job you've had? Uh, well, I mean, sorry, I mean you are a lifetime student, but in the limited amount of jobs you've had, had loads of jobs. Well, what's my best ever job? I can't imagine you as a kindergarten teacher. I didn't teach anything. I just battered them at football. Just destroyed them. Mate, you are... Some of the soundbites here is going to get you in big trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I was... Who led you into a kindergarten? What was going on there? They looked for me. I was like... My ex-boss said I was the best person she ever employed. Yeah, honestly, I swear to God, I got a pay rise. Yeah. They loved me. So you're the best employee she's ever had. Ben said you're the most naturally gifted athlete he's ever seen. Yeah. Naturally gifted rugby player. So rugby player. Not athlete. I'm not the most naturally gifted athlete. Okay. Most naturally gifted rugby player he's ever seen. Class of football. No, you are actually really good at football. Absolutely. Unfortunately, football. it's ringing in a way. Like, you kept yeah. telling everyone how good you are at football, and then you are actually really, really good at football. Honestly, I don't lie. I'm bad at music, to be fair. I'm terrible at music. Yeah. Do you know, like, in, do you know, like, grade one? Yeah, yeah. My, my, my you tell, if you if you turn up with the instrument, you get grade one. No, I never got grade one, and my mum paid for guitar lessons for eight years. <laughs> eight <laughs> years, eight years, twenty minutes a week. I used to snap the strings because I fucking hated that instrument <laughs> so much. I was so bad at it. I can't feel a rhythm. So like, he'd be like, "Oh, it's this beat," and I'd be like, "Cool." And then I'd play it and be like, "What's wrong?" Been like, uh, "Out of time." It's like, "Yes, but there's something else that's wrong." Uh, wrong the notes. Yes. Definitely, but there's something else wrong. It was the the guitar was out of tune, <laughs> but I couldn't hear it, so I I just was just rubbish. But my mum uh, made me do it because it was good for me to do something I was bad at. Right, yeah. Was that uh, just to keep your ego in check? Yeah, probably. Yeah, no. didn't work very well. No. Fair enough. <laughs> just disrespect musicians instead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're you're a humble guy now, so you know. I am. Like, Your mum did a good job. Uh, I'd say I'm quite humble. Because <laughs> I was fucking right. really good at football. Anyway, what is yeah. the next one? Leicester. Yeah. So today, today we had a yeah Leicester in sale, uh, which again we watched. We watched here. Um, I'll, I'll try and sound semi unbiased because I am a massive sales supporter, uh, but. Two pretty much full strength teams, I think. One of the one of the ten massive sales supporters they've got. Yeah, yeah. Lifetime member now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In probably the shitter stadium in England as well. Yeah, it's not yeah. Crazy. It's uh, yeah, it's not a nice place. But no, um, yeah, sale. Wow, like they. To be fair to them, they had a game plan and they stuck to it. I think Leicester, they started strong, but I think they were just a bit rattled, and. You know, people like Tulangi Ford, they just had really good games. Well, we lost, we lost, we, Leicester, uh, lost Andre Pollard in the warm-up. And I remember you said, the text, the text I said, Andre Pollard's out. And I said, as soon as you said that, I said, all right, we're done. Like, we're not going to win this game without him. Um, is that, is that your excuse for the loss? Now he was saying Jasper Weiss was rubbish. No. Okay. <laughs> Says so he's overrated. He's just a fat lad in the South Africans. So that's, <laughs> that's what Jack was saying during the game. He just looks hard. He just looks hard. <laughs> he's what? got a rugby playing name, but he's just rubbish. A rugby playing name and missing tooth in the front, like one of his front teeth missing. It's not his fault he can't brush his teeth very well, is it? <laughs> well, it's not his fault he 
well, apparently you can't play golf if you got battered in the face by a driver. Uh, two sports, you <laughs> can't play that. <laughs> no, I think just Visa is mega. That was you being an That was Tom going off about Jasper Visa in the, in the game, just trying to wind me up. Um, but no, I think it was two Leicester, Leicester boys who wrecked us, basically. Man in two, Lang, George Ford. George Ford was absolutely amazing. Yeah, he was some, it, some of his kicks, some of his spiral bombs, uh, just his control of the game. And yeah, I think the packs are pretty even all game, actually. Um, I think the difference was was George Ford. I think he, he won the game, basically, on his own. Do you, 50, do you, 50 meter penalty that he doesn't do a lot. Just some of his bombs as well. Some of his bombs were outrageous. The kick at the, uh, I think when they turned it over and he kicked it. And then to a line, he like it smashed him. 60 metres or 50 metres. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got a spiral kick, pushing back. I just thought George Ford was was amazing. And I think that battle next week. Next week is Champions Cup final. Right. Okay. Two weeks is Premiership, yeah. The battle between him and Ford and Farrell will be, that, that it'd be those two going for the England 10 jersey in... in September, I think. Big you, shout from Jack there. Do you, do you, um, not Smith's third choice? Yeah, I would say so. Do you, do you think we've also got a contender for worst mustache in the world? What, yours? Apart from mine, Rafi Quirk. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's horrific. <laughs> that mustache, yeah, it looks like a, a kid who's trying to, a 16 year old kid who wants to go buy alcohol for the first time. Yeah. He's drawn a fake mustache on to make himself look older. He's just made himself just look like a really strange. Because he's like dressed to He looks like a peaky blinder. Yeah, he's kind of going for that peaky blinder look, but he's also, he's small. You know, he's a little small number nine, and, and it just doesn't suit him. And I generally think, you know, even including mine and other people's in, in Norway, that it's a pretty hanging mustache. You can't be under 25 and have a moustache. Like, it's, you just can't do it. Mate, you've got so many rules for how people can look. It's unbelievable. Yeah, but you can't. can't be bold. Like, you, know, you can't you know, be bold. When I was about, I think when I was like 21 and I was at university in the Czech Republic, I did that goatee, which goes all the way around, like the lit, like the moustache, like down the side of the mouth, <laughs> like here. That's fine. I, oh, not when you're 21, mate. Francisco. Yeah, but it was like really thin and patchy. And all oh, right. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah, so they've got a big, massive pack, haven't they? We talked about Sanderson and how he... Uh, oh, he was dwarfed by Dan Dupree when he came in. Yeah, there's some big, there's some big men yeah. that sail back. But, you know, you said about Alex Sanderson doing all the love and meditating and breathing and all that stuff. And, ah, that's, yeah. and that's what his success story is. But it's not. You just buy a massive South African pack and you get George Ford and Manny Tuolani. And you also buy it a full-time kicking coach. <laughs> Honestly, the things they can waste money on here. Teaching people to breathe. Like, they would be dead if they couldn't. They'd literally, you wouldn't have a team. If you had to teach people how to breathe, you wouldn't have a rugby team because they'd all be dead already. They can already breathe. Meditation. I don't want players meditating on the pitch. <laughs> well, catch the ball. No, I'm just thinking about oneness. Like, no, catch the ball. Don't want you thinking right now. Ah, rubbish. And a full-time kicking coach. Who's kicking all day? Especially yeah, because you've got one of the best kickers in the world in George Ford. Yeah, I mean, you definitely need a bloke who never played professional rugby to go tell George Ford how to kick it. Yes. It's the most daft thing, like, honestly, they should be banned from spending money, some of these people. 
like it's such a waste of resources. It just frustrates the life. No, it wasn't. Yeah, but saying a good not. Yeah, saying a good not because they've got a massive South African pack and George Ford and Rafi Quirk. They're good because they can breathe. Yeah, they can apparently breathe. other teams can't breathe. <laughs> other teams, their competitive advantage over other teams is they can breathe, and the other teams they run onto the pitch and they forget how to breathe and they die. They're just drop there, <laughs> middle of the match. It's the most ridiculous thing, right? People need to stop listening to this bit of stuff and believe in it. It's rubbish. It is total utter diarrhea. Teach them how to breathe. <laughs> Let's breathe together. We'll play together better. What are you on? Oh, fantastic. Daft. <laughs> so daft. And people buy it. That's the thing that gets me. People buy it. Daft. He's in the final, though, so something yeah. works. But it's not because he taught me how to breathe. <laughs> I should also mention as well that yesterday, so Tom Tom actually lost a bet, right? And Tom, we all, well, if you listen to the podcast, you might not know, but you, you could know that Tom's absolute oh, favourite person in the world is a certain Eddie Jones, right? And I'm a bit of a fan of Eddie Jones. I, I like some of the stuff he does, but and I've got one of his books. And Tom lost a bet yesterday, which is, and he said that he, he will read back to back, cover to cover, the full book on Eddie Jones. I was lying. When when I'm gonna do that bet like Adam Jones did his bet. I'm gonna do it in ten years time. <laughs> I'm gonna take inspiration from Adam Jones and I'll do it in ten years time. Just hopefully without shitting yourself for a bit. But it, I I I read the first line and get frustrated straight away. That's it. Go on, what is the first line? This is a book about leadership inside the usually secretive bubble of a high performance environment. Right. Secretive football. I've never met a leader that can't shut up. <laughs> All they do is talk about themselves and how they lead. Can't stop them talking. It's not secretive at all. <laughs> also, isn't the... It's not that secretive either. You wrote a book about it. <laughs> entitled Leadership. There's like tons of books out there entitled Leadership. Secret bubble. Give me a break. <laughs> I think Tom's slightly triggered today. Angry, I'm angry. You need someone. You need to run a masters or something. Yeah, yeah. on leadership. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I kind of thought like you had in your thesis on Wednesday, or whatever it was, or Tuesday. I thought you know you'd be kind of relaxed and in a good mood at the moment. Summer's coming. You don't have a lot of things left over. You got one exam. No, the seventeenth of May is coming. That's why I'm fuming. It is. <laughs> yeah. Hate seventeenth of May. So Tom, what are you about the seventeenth of May? I'm sleeping in the morning. Do not invite me anything in the morning. I hate mornings. I can't think of anything worse than have to sip champagne with a flipping strawberry in it. <laughs> At five o'clock in the morning and have to talk to people I don't really care about and watch people take photos of themselves in a boon night. <laughs> Honestly, I can't stand it. And then I don't want to go to town, not get in anywhere because this is all round, be bursting for a piss constantly. <laughs> Listening to kids play music out of time as they walk around the castle. I've got no interest in that either. The corpse. The corpse kids are so shy. It's like the worst death. <laughs> and I've had like four sips of champagne at 9 o'clock in the morning, so my stomach's going constantly. Just. I can feel it. I can't eat because I'm not hungry because I don't eat till like 1 o'clock anyway. Are you one of those? Like, will you turn up in your uh, one of your favourite Alessi? Track suits on seventeenth of May. Depends where I go in the evening, to be honest. <laughs> Everyone's there like boot lads and suits, and you see Tom in his like little LSE tracksuit. But I'm surprised you always get let in everywhere. Every time I've been out with you, 
you've been wearing like a tracksuit, like but full tracksuit, tracksuit bottoms and a tracksuit top matching. And they get in everywhere. That's why they, because they know I'm good at football. <laughs> they just look at me and it's like, he must be class of football. <laughs> There's no way he's a regular person in tracksuit. He must be a professional footballer. Yeah. I mean, play for Alaska. <laughs> so, again, just to provide a backstory here, right? So, Tom Tom loves his tracksuits and the brand Aless, Alessi, I don't know how you pronounce it. Tom has got the same tracksuit in what, three different colors? No, I can explain, right? I've got the red hoodie and the black hoodie. I've got the joggers in navy, black and red. I've got the shorts in blue, navy blue, black <laughs> and red. But I don't have the navy hoodie and it's irritating me because <laughs> it's sold out. And it's been sold out every time I've checked and I just need it. And then I've got you my... to complete the set. Then I've got my work uniform sorted. Can we get a Kickstarter campaign? No, no, this is this is like the Mansfield starter pack. It's like the tracksuit. It's yeah. the, the headphones that he always wears as well. And yeah. was like, yeah. And the snooze, yeah. It's a Mansfield starter pack. Oh, I love a snood. <laughs> Even in summer, you wear a fucking yeah, you do. I just love a snood. It just feels so good. <laughs> Jack, what are, what are your plans of 17th of May? This year now, we're just doing a breakfast at a friend's house and then awful, oh, awful. Prayers, mate. Send your hopes and prayers. Yeah, that should be all right. Socialising that early in the morning. Pray for Jack. Pray for Jack. Yeah, pray for me. Pray for me doing Norwegian things. Although, yeah, it's starting to like... It was super cool at the start. Like, see, our first time I did it, it was amazing. And then I was good. Oh, my God, it's like a massive wedding. The whole of Norway is doing a wedding. And now it is like, oh, yeah. I can't piss on the street here. I'm bursting for it. <laughs> That's what it's like, pal. But yeah, the bands are... <laughs> Weirdly, I think Tom's just happy that he's got two days off, even though he's not doing anything anyway. Well, you complained earlier. You said, hey, 17th May, because you have to get drunk all day and then you don't get the next day off. And then I went, no, we do have the next day off. And you went, why have we got the next day off? That's so stupid. So it's like, you, can't, you literally can't, can't win. win. <laughs> but that whole thing is stupid because why are you putting a strawberry in a drink? <laughs> I don't get it. Like, it doesn't taste the champagne if I eat the strawberry after. The champagne itself doesn't taste of a strawberry. So why is just chucking stuff in my drink for? <laughs> Take it out. I don't want it. You don't have to have a, stra- a strawberry. No, but everyone does. Because everyone's like, oh, we've all got to have a strawberry. And I drink. I'm like, get your strawberries away from me. <laughs> don't even want champagne. Don't even like it. Tastes awful. I went to uh, a party once, 17th of May. And I said, right, I'll bring a bit of an English flavour to the party. So I brought pims. And no one knew what Pims was, so I bought Pims. We made we made all these Pims, and it went down really, really well. And one of the the mums there absolutely loved it. But all the Pims like went pretty pretty fast. And then you know it was a bit later on than like people had a few drinks. And then she comes in with like a full glass of Pims, and we went, "Where did you get that from?" And she was like, "Oh no no no, no don't don't worry, like it." And what she'd done for the last half an hour was she went round and she just like mind sweeped as she was fighting everything. <laughs> That's great. She's like 55 years old. Lucky hell. Mind sweeping pins at our own party. Yeah, that's pretty special. That's the dream woman. Well, anyway, yeah, I hope you both have a good uh, 17th of May. Mine will be fantastic. We will be back next week after the Champions Cup final, actually. So probably, so we should have a lot more to talk about. Come on, La Rochelle. Yeah, yeah. actually, go on. Good point. Who are you going for? Leinster or La Rochelle? La Rochelle. La Rochelle. Leinster. Who do I want to win? Who do I think is going to win? 
Who do you want to win? Lara Shad. Who do you think will win? Lara Shad. Change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> and on that, you? Uh, oh, yeah, uh, definitely Lara Shad. I was actually listening to an interview with Ogara last night. Um, oh, he'll be loving the fact that Munster just not blends right. Yeah, he, he's very happy, but he... I've, I, lo- I love Ogara. Yeah, he's good. I think he's a legend. But anyway, on that bombshell, everyone have a good 17th of May. Um, and yeah, we'll see you all soon. Keep the strawberries out. Keep the strawberries out.